Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio Program. And before we get into today's excellent topic, I want to share an exciting opportunity this summer to double your impact through this ministry. So from now until August 31st, when you give to our ministry, your gift will be doubled. We have a generous champion who's offered a $75,000 matching gift through the end of the summer. So if you'd like to join us in reaching and serving more people, double your gift right now at bebroken.org donate. This link is also in our show notes. And thank you so much for your partnership in helping individuals and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ. Well, our guest today is Sam Black, and Sam is the Director of Recovery Education at Covenant Eyes, and he's also the author of the new book, The Healing Church, What Churches Get Wrong About Pornography and How to Fix It. In our conversation, Sam shares who he wrote this book for, which is pastors and ministry leaders, and why he wrote it, which is to help them better understand why people get stuck, why they often stay stuck, and how the church holds the answer for freedom, not just for individuals, but for families and leaders too. So to learn more about Sam and get a copy of the book, visit thehealingchurch.com. And in fact, Sam has made a very special offer for our listeners to get a free copy of the book. So just go to the show notes to learn how. For even more resources, visit bebroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And you know, please remember to rate and review the podcast because this really does help other people find it. Now, let's dive into today's conversation with Sam. Well, all right, Sam Black, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you, Jonathan. So good to be here. Yeah, so um, Sam, I wanted to have you on because you have written a new book. I'm holding it up here for our viewers on uh, YouTube. Uh, It's called The Healing Church, What Churches Get Wrong About Pornography and How to Fix It. And I really want our conversation to center around what you've what you've actually written in this book. I think it's excellent, and I think it's going to be so helpful to so many um, in the church. But before we get to that, can you kind of give us a little bit of your your backstory of of how you got to this point of writing this book, and also you know kind of how you how you got to Covenant Eyes and the work that you've been doing there, and then we'll dive into some of the, the specific content you have in the book. Jonathan, we only have a half hour, you know, we've got to, we've got to <laughs> just make this a little succinct. Well, I've spent 16 years at, at Covenant Eyes. I've been able to go through my own journey of recovery. And uh, in that 16 years, I, I heard many, I've been to many ministry conferences, men's ministry leadership events, pastoral events. And, and there was often a great disparity between what we were seeing really working and helping as the, like the tools that Be Broken has, and what was actually translating into the church. And so often it just seemed that there was a disconnect. And so I really wrote this as an empathetic primer to pastors and ministry leaders to help them better understand why people get stuck, why they often stay stuck without help, and how the church holds the answers not only to individual freedom, for people who are struggling with pornography and and unwanted sexual behaviors, but they also need to understand that there's a spouse that is hurting and that the church needs to provide healing and support for them as well. That ministry leaders also need uh, support and and that they many times face woundedness, et cetera. So I wanted to create this broad understanding 
or not really broad, really dig into some deep uh, uh, intricacies of why pornography is so impactful on the church. And I do mm-hmm. think one of the things that we really have to think about as ministry and church leaders are, are considering this as, as lay people who are working in the church really need to think about this more deeply is that pornography is impacting every ministry in the church from children's ministries to 10 teen ministries, w- women and men, marriage ministries. We put a lot of effort into those. And yet pornography is one of those secret silent killers that's undermining so much of the work that we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, so you you mentioned that it's kind of pervasive. Can you talk a little bit about just how big is the problem of pornography, not necessarily just you know culturally and globally, but specifically within the church? What are we looking at? What is the problem that we're looking at and facing? Yeah, well, um, there, the number of studies that have been done are pretty remarkable, not only for the number of people are using pornography, those who are caught in a, uh, the ongoing trap of pornography, who are really facing addiction is how we would describe it. But that pornography, as we were talking about undermining ministries in the church, the University of Oklahoma and other uh, organizations have done a sociological studies and that pornography is directly correlated to less church attendance, doubts about their faith, feeling less close to God, a less in prayer life, less in scripture uh, work. Uh, every part of the spiritual life that a church is so concerned about is being undermined again by pornography. And when I went across the country and interviewed pastors and ministry leaders and churches, bodies who are doing this work well. The opposite of all those detriments were coming true for those churches. Those churches that were doing it well were finding increased church attendance. They were finding uh, that their people that they're engaging, they had deeper faith, growing faith. They also gave back. One of the shocking things I found was that there's a direct correlation between volunteerism leadership in the church, uh, that people are going to naturally shy away because they have the secret sin, the secret shame that is pulling them back from being a greater volunteer or doing work in the church. And so, so many uh, of these churches found, and the, the pastors would tell me, hey, I don't do more work now. I do less work. That my this uh, engagement with pornography and other unhealthy behaviors has really created uh, not only a journey and discipleship that helps people grow closer to God and defeat the the troubling sin that was so concerning at first, but now the the dark corners are lighting up in their lives. And as they have found healing in their lives, they want to give it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that in mind, who would you say you really wrote this book for? Because I think some people see in the title church, and they immediately think like, you know, senior pastor or some kind of like staffed leader. But who did you really who did you really yeah. have in mind when you were writing this book? Well, anyone who is serving in ministry, a decision maker within the church, whether you're a deacon, a pastor, 
Uh, you serve on a church board. You're a volunteer. Uh, you're serving in men's or women's ministry, teen mini- ministries, children's ministries. If you're engaged in ministry in the church, if you're doing some kind of leadership in the church, I wanted you to have a good understanding uh, of how pornography is impacting individuals and their lives and their families and uh, the church as a whole, but how we can really create a safe place with a safe process that really leads people to the foot of the cross where those issues are broken. They're, they're, it's okay to come as you are, but it's just not okay to stay as you are, right? Mm-hmm. So then... Uh, one of the things you've already said this word multiple times, and I think uh, it's good that you mm. you sought to tackle it early on in the book, and that is this word pornography. And I think when people hear that word porn or they hear pornography, <laughs> yeah. yeah, lots of different definitions or ideas come up with that. So, what mm-hmm. is porn? It's interesting. I dedicate a chapter to that. Because people um, are all over the map when they say, well, what, this is pornography or that's not pornography. And so I really did a more of a deep dive. And it turns out that the, the ch- those who attend church and those who don't attend church are often watching the same kinds of media from uh, Game of Thrones to other things that are very risque and what we would typically have called pornography in the past, but many Christians just going to go, well, you know, that's not, is that, is that really pornography is nudity pornography is, is showing sexual acts pornography and what uh, our definitions of what is porn has deteriorated over time. In fact, more church, uh, there's been a, a major increase within the church that says pornography, even when they call it pornography, is morally acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so a greater percentage of Americans in general as well say pornography is morally acceptable. And so we really need to go back to the roots because Jesus talked about what is in your heart. What are you what is growing out of your heart? What is your mind thinking of, etc.? And so I have a very broad definition of pornography because in the sense of what it means to me personally and how I think Christians should think about it. And that is whatever is causing you to lust, whatever is causing you to sin against your own body, as Paul describes in Corinthians 6.18, that is pornography to you. I was at a conference and a, a young man uh, asked that question, what is what is pornography? And just earlier, someone had talked about, well, that he would, uh, one person would talk about that they would look at underwear ads. Well, is underwear nudity? Well, no, but they would use masturbate to underwear ads. That was what turned them on. So that is lustful, absolutely against what Jesus would teach about uh lusting in your heart, you've committed adultery. And so I think we need to worry less about defining this amount of nudity, it becomes pornography, and this amount is not. Uh, We need to think about what is happening in our hearts. Yeah, it's real easy to get 
extremely legalistic, right? And we're trying to figure out exactly where mm-hmm. the line is. And I like the fact that also in that chapter, you pointed out that it's not always just visual media. You you talk about like Fifty Shades of Grey, the book, and just some of those things mm-hmm. that um, obviously that became a movie at one point, but still there's different forms of media that can sort of elicit and try to draw us into those lustful thoughts. And I think the fact that you you really started honing in on the heart is what we all need to realize that this is a matter of the heart. And it's real easy to get distracted just on like, like you said, where's the line around what pornography is? And the problem with that is the way our sinful hearts work. And, and I'd love to hear your response to this is, is that, our sinful hearts are always going to gravitate as close as we can get to whatever line there is around sin. And yet I think what you're talking about is what would it look like if our hearts were completely surrendered and enraptured with Jesus? How would that change our direction? Can you say a little bit about that? Right. Oh my goodness. You know, uh, as I, as we, tra- we, t- we talk about the renewing of the mind, the Bible talks about the renewing of the mind. And the more that we dance around what could be or maybe not sin, and we just t- sort of play this the game, it's sort of like dancing around a fire. You're just going to get burned. You're, you're, you're going to get singed. Um, and, and, and the scripture talks about the, that singeing your conscience. And the more we tempt ourselves and saying, oh, well, I can go this far, but I won't go any farther. We always end up going farther. Uh, and that's that's how we got stuck, many of us, in this situation in the first place. We uh, were just, you know, as children, we were naturally curious. But then that repetition, that continually going back, began craving, creating those neural pathways in our brain and you know, it's, we have often heard that pornography will take you places you never thought you'd go, do things you never thought you'd do, uh, pay a price that you never thought you'd pay and hurt people you never wanted to harm. And so we, like you said, drawing closer to Christ, making that, um, our goal, uh, making our leaning into wanting wholeness in our life. I mean, think about it, Jonathan. Tell me about wholeness. Wholeness isn't just about not looking at pornography or something else that seems so troubling in our life. Wholeness means much more than that, doesn't it? Absolutely. One of the things we actually try to help, uh, especially when we're dealing with with men in our ministry who have, you know, they're engaged in pornography or any kind of other unwanted sexual behavior, is it's very easy, even when they start getting into a recovery process, for them to start to assume and even view themselves through a lens that makes their porn problem the whole of who they are. And we try to help them to realize right. that, that says, listen, your, your identity is far greater than any particular sin that you could Yes. You know, name. It's like <laughs> yes. when you realize uh-huh. that your identity is actually in Christ, it's a gift from God. You were created to bear his image. You realize in, in some ways what the gospel ends up doing is it it swallows up all those false, smaller identities that you want to wrap around a particular sin. And when it, you know, I think about when the Bible talks about um, death being swallowed up in victory of Christ Jesus. Mm. That's the image that I want, get, I want mm-hmm. people to get into their mind when they're trying to start to make 
their identity wrapped around a particular sin area. Because it's like, no, the gospel wants to swallow that up and let you know you're way, way bigger and more valuable than that. Yeah, and and but often we the thing that prompted us sets us up to begin exploring those deeper issues, right? With when we we've may be become because unwanted sexual behavior or, or pornography. And the lessons we're learning into addressing pornography uh, begin lighting up the corners and the closets and the the case that we didn't want to open, whether that's about uh, trauma or pain that we've been hiding and stuffing and pushing away. And uh, when we begin opening up those cases and examining them with brothers and sisters in Christ, when we do that through a healthy process, then when those corners light up, now the issue that uh, pornography was maybe the escapism that we were uh, exhibiting, but now we're learning to think about how how am I doing with my anger? Because uh, I start off with that that remembrance of pain or that trigger, and that maybe brings anger or sadness or some other kind of emotion that that is really striking at my heart. But with a safe process, we learn to, oh, this is what I'm feeling. I can name it. And no longer do I have to surrender to my old habits. I can surrender that to Christ. I can call my brother or sister in Christ and say, this is what I am, what I'm feeling. And this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking of doing. And uh, now I have greater power through the Holy Spirit to really yield to the Holy Spirit and and not operate under that, um, what we might call compulsive behavior addiction, but no longer going on autopilot, but really being curious about what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling tempted. And now I am greater empowered to really face these things well. That's that's the whole beauty of this journey. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how important it is that leaders in the church, um, at whatever level and, and responsibility they have, how important is it that they understand that this issue affects both men and women, that pornography is not merely a man's issue and man's struggle? How important is it for the church to know that and lean into that as a reality. Yeah, I, you know, we know that two thirds of men, about a third of women say they have a personal struggle with pornography itself. And that is one part of what the church needs to be aware of, of how it's impacting people, right? That, that, uh, and one of the big things we need to understand overall that I think ministry leaders need to understand is there are three common denominators that's very common that be broken will understand and others will understand is that early exposure is one of the foundational elements of pornography and unwanted sexual behaviors. And that early exposure happens when a child isn't prepared with either knowledge or a brain that's even developed. Uh, A brain that's feels a lot, but has a difficult time with uh, a a prefrontal cortex that's not yet developed 
And it's hard for that brain to make decisions when it's not been trained well. And so it is very hard for a child to look away. And with the advent of the iPhone in 2007, more boys and girls and more girls than ever before have been exposed to pornography at such a young age. And then, of course, the other two options, early exposures, number one, not options, but commonalities of pornography addiction, early exposure, the ongoing repetition or use of pornography, and often some drama or trauma early in life. And those three things often cement that. And it doesn't matter if you're a boy or if you're a girl. Those common denominators are present in both. But And while we need to think about that for boys and girls, we also need to know that pornography is impacting relationships, right? So spouses, men and women, whose partner has betrayed them with pornography and other unwanted sexual behaviors, that is, that is uh, your congregant who is hurting, but so often is totally overlooked by the church. So often... Um, the person who is struggling with the compulsive behavior with pornography or unwanted sexual behavior is getting all the attention and the spouse is just asked to, well, forgive, forget, be supportive, uh, and worse things like, oh, well, you need to be more available for sex or things like put, uh, casting blame onto them for their partner's behavior. Not even in the past, I don't think pastors often realize that a man, uh, I'm just going to use men in, in this instance, is that a man has trained himself from childhood through adolescence, uh, through middle school and high school and the college and in their marriage or their trade school and in the marriage, etc. He was using pornography when they were dating. He was using pornography when they got engaged. He was using pornography when they first got married, and he uses pornography when she says yes and when she says no. And adding, uh, so pornography and his use of that or unwanted behaviors is not the spouse's fault. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I think I'd like for you to address is um, I think sometimes, at least historically, maybe it's getting a little bit less and less because porn is so ubiquitous. I mean, it's everywhere. And, you know, mm. how can anybody today claim that they've never seen pornography? Right. However, I think historically, mm -hmm. even maybe to this day, there's still been a dividing line a lot of times, even within the church, kind of an us and them perspective. And anybody that would even be willing to say, hey, I've got a problem with porn or maybe any other kind of sexual, uh, you know, brokenness, they're the them, right? And then there's sort of this us category over here. How important is it for there to be this sense of, of uh, embracing a universal brokenness among all humanity that are in the church yeah. and, and, and really moving from that paradigm rather than a, how do we sort of fix them and the rest of us, you know, we don't really have any connection to sexual brokenness. <laughs> you know, uh, I have an ally. Uh, he He's a pastor and a uh, big guy, uh, <laughs> uh, army helicopter pilot, and uh, just barely fit into a blackout helicopter. <laughs> and one day he is... He was, you know, he's, he's been my ally. He's heard all my stories and, and he's, but he, 
you know, I'm, I serve with for him as well. And he's going through this, especially it was earlier on in our relationship. And he, and he just, you know, he doesn't struggle with pornography and things like I did. Just that wasn't his issue. And he's, but he's talking about what he's going through and what, how he's feeling and how he's being impacted by things. And, and I, I said the most shocking thing to him. That just like was felt to him like a brainstorm. It was like, what? I've just been hit by lightning. And all I said was, you know, Danny, everybody's got something. Mm-hmm. Everybody's dealing with something. And but that was shocking to him because he thought he was as 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 all the trouble that I've had, he was like, okay, Sam's got problems, but most people do they do they have issues? Like I feel issues. And indeed. We're all struggling in some way. Uh, we all have some kinds of wounds. Sometimes things are worse for others than, than that might be for me, etc. But we need to express and have real empathy. It's a, isn't it amazing when you think about the woman at the well and the the graciousness and love that Jesus showed her? I mean. We are we willing to do that in the church today? Well, and you're highlighting one of our uh, core values at our ministry, and that is story and yeah. the need for us to be able to share yeah. a story because our stories really become the link for what you're talking about in terms of empathy and compassion and understanding. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. one of the ways I like to put it, uh, you know, I would I would phrase it. I'm saying the same thing that you said to your friend, but sometimes I phrase it like, you know, we're all more alike than we are different. But you've got to be able to share your story (laughs) in order to be able to start to understand where those similarities are, because it's really easy to see maybe the differences either externally or just in how we present ourselves. And it's like, oh, I'm not like them and they're not like me and all this. And talk a little bit about how important it is for the church to establish safe environments, grace based environments for people to be able to share their stories and how important that is to the whole healing process. Wow. I think we need to go back to the very roots of being able to share our stories and and talk about what's going on in our lives. You know, James 5.16 gives a very simple verse. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And I write about in the book uh, that uh, I was at an event and I was talking, and this was a a conversation I'd had many times over, but it just struck me that on this particular day that I was talking to a pastor of a small church. He had somewhere between 60 and 100 people attending his church. And we began talking about James 5.16. And he says, Sam, you know, we're a small church. And I think it's pretty hard to really practice confessing our sins to one another because we're a small church and people know one another, right? it's, it's It's just too shameful because we know one another. Now, a few minutes later, I talked to a couple and they heard that I uh, worked for Covenant Eyes and they said, hey, Sam, we uh, would like your help. Could you give us some advice on finding an ally, someone that might receive uh, my uh, my reports and, and what I'm doing online with Covenant Eyes and et cetera? And he says, you know, I attend a big church of about 3,500 and 
you know, I just don't know. There's, it's just so big that I don't know anybody that I could really trust to do that. So is it really the, is it the, the, the church, the size of the church really the problem? Of course not. Uh, honestly, we want people who know us, right? We want to be known, to be fully known and fully loved. And when we're willing to really practice James 5.16, then we learn more than just talking about, you know, we talk about, hey, this is the sin that's going on in my life. This is how I'm getting there. This is what's going on. And now uh, we are entering a place where God says, hey, I have a formula for you. I want you to tell your stories to one another. I want you to pray for one another and we're and I'm going to bring healing into your life. But so often we're just we have created a performance um mindset within the church where and in life, right? If I perform well, Jonathan, you can love me. If I don't perform well, well, I don't quite measure up and you're not going to like me. And that shame keeps me stuck in a performance mindset, and I never really get to really have a good conversation with you, and you're never really able to lead me through a process where I can grow, where you can disciple me, where you can help me take a step-by-step into some real life change. Yeah. Well, Sam, what are some of the your greatest hopes that people take away from this book, for those who read this book, what are your what do you hope they take away as a result of reading it? Well, oh, wow, boil that down because it's you know it's uh, it's a full it's a it's a little bit of a smorgasbord through the chapters. But I want them to understand how pornography in, is impacting the church, and how the church can create a safe place and a safe process that really leads to people giving back to their local church. And when we create a culture that is safe to come as you are, but not okay to stay as you are, then we're creating a healthy environment for all kinds of issues that people are dealing with. And it is my hope that uh, pastors and ministry leaders really get first and a a foundational understanding of why this just doesn't seem to be going away when I warn people, don't do that, stop that, God's not for that. And why people need a safe, not only a safe place, but a safe process to begin learning how to grow in in Christ, but deal with this sin that so easily entangles. Well, this is, uh, I know we've only just been able to kind of scratch the surface, but uh, that's actually why you wrote a book on it, Sam, is because we can only scratch the surface in a conversation. Um, where can people go right. to get the book and just learn more about um, what you're talking about in terms of these safe places and safe processes? Well, uh, go to thehealingchurch.com, thehealingchurch.com, where you can download the introduction as well as the first chapter for free. You can buy it online wherever you normally buy books online. Yeah. And, and, say, a little bit easy, also, yeah. Yeah, and say a little bit also about uh, just Covenant Eyes and how Covenant Eyes comes along as an aid to help churches and individuals and with lots of resources. 
And, and, and by the way, can I offer you, your listeners, a special, something really special? Sure. Is that, would that be okay? Could we just, we could surprise, can I just surprise you right here off the bat? Absolutely. I how love about surprises. We give your, <laughs> how about we give your listeners 50 copies, the first 50 people that want to download the book from your site, they can do that just by clicking a link that we're going to provide you. We, uh, we love yeah, to do that. There it is. Yeah, and absolutely. It there's no gimmick to it. There's no, there's no gimmick. There's no handling charges and no postage fees, nothing. You just fill out the form and you'll get a free book. That's it. We will absolutely and, and Covenant do that. Eyes, uh, oh, thank you. You know, uh, this is a resource from Covenant Eyes and Covenant Eyes has a deep belief that we need, this isn't just about uh, creating software, which we create software for phones, tablets, and computers, and that really helps people be honest about how they're using their devices, be open about how they're using their, their devices. We're using artificial t intelligence that actually screen reads, that looks at the device and sees pornography, and then reports it to someone you choose as who you want to be your ally. But we've also been very committed as well to education and support. So we offer great resources like Safe Haven Sunday and other church programs that can really guard the next generation, but also a number of uh, educational resources to help people understand, how did I get here? Why do I seem to stay stuck in this place? And how can I learn freedom? There's a new app called Victory, Victory by Covenant Eyes, and there's about 30 courses within that app, and they're all free. There's audio versions of them as well. So you can download that app for free, have access to those courses, and begin uh, gaining a deeper understanding of how pornography is impacting your life and how you can begin living in freedom. That's I great. think it'd be we'll just an extra resource. And, and you know, Be Broken has so many beautiful and awesome resources and training. Uh, this is just going to affirm what you're already seeing and be broken. Yeah. And one of the things we like to say around here is, you know, you can't, especially on the front end of somebody trying to get help, you can't throw too many resources at them. <laughs> you know, there's, there's lots of uh, need for learning and growing. And, uh, but Sam, this has been great. Thank you for uh, being willing to, to put yourself into this book and really, uh, you know, make this available and just for the work that you've been doing so faithfully for the last 16 years at Covenant Eyes and just um, really appreciate you being on the program today. Well, thank you, Jonathan. We've known each other for at least a decade, if not more. And uh, we've seen, been together on so many different events. And um, I'm just grateful for all that Be Broken has been doing in people's lives for so long. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, thank you. Well, we love doing things. Uh, we're better together, so uh, we'll keep we'll keep trudging along. Indeed. But, uh, listeners, we will put all this information in the show notes. Plus, that uh, we'll we'll make sure you get access to that link for those fifty free copies. So make sure you're you know first come first serve, and um, we want to help you take your next next best step on your journey of transformation. So please reach out to us, and we we'll look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.